Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Listen, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to pick up with me in the book of Matthew 18. Amen. You can remain seated. I'm sorry. Thank you for your kindness. Since we're in the middle of something here, I will be reading some and um, thank you for the spirit of the Lord that we have felt already up to this point. We welcome uh, today Daryl and Debbie Jackson. We're thankful to have you with us this morning, guests of Brother and Sister Anderson. God bless you. Happy to have all of you in the house of the Lord. We've been talking about the value of forgiveness and, and um, absolutely, I think maybe we could say the, uh, the mandate of forgiveness and uh, We've been reading from a parable in the book of Matthew about where one servant owed his Lord what would be in our, in our currency today billions of dollars or in other words, a debt he could not pay. He was forgiven for that. And then the scripture says that when he walked out that he met one of his servants who owed him a very meager amount of money and he would not allow him uh, to be forgiven for his debt, but rather imprisoned him. And uh, so I mentioned this morning how that many times if we are not careful that the offenses in our own lives can be handed down to other generations. And if we are not very, very careful, we can ill affect those that are following us. And I wanna be very, very, very careful that I do not forget the great debt that was paid for me, the great offense that sin is against God. If we don't understand how offensive sin is to the Lord, you'll never be able to comprehend the magnitude of what I'm talking about today. Because if we think sin is just no big deal, then what I'm talking about has no worth or no value. But when we really understand how offensive sin is to the Lord, and how that we have been forgiven of our sins. And because we have been forgiven for so much, why wouldn't we then want to extend forgiveness to someone else? Amen. And so we have to be very, very careful. Let's continue, if we will, in Matthew 18. I'm going to look at verses 31 through 33. Because as is in most cases, there are others looking on. Amen. We have so far seemingly two isolated instances. One, one servant who owed his Lord something he could not pay. Another servant who owed that same, another, his, that Lord something that was really minuscule. But the Bible says in verse number 31 that there were others around that were kind of watching all this unfold. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. And they come told unto their Lord 
all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest thou not, should not, should, shouldest not thou, excuse me, also have compassion on thy fellow servants even as I had pity on thee. I forgave you for so much and yet you would not even have compassion on someone else. He was not referring to unbelievers in this parable and I think that's what's so important for us to understand. He was talking about servants of a king. That was his parable. That was his likeness. And so this man had already a great debt forgiven. We could liken this, of course, to salvation. And he was called the master's servant, the one that he would not forgive, the Bible says, was a fellow servant. So we can conclude that this was the fate of a believer who also chooses, refuses, rather, to forgive so we see the parallel that Jesus is trying to point out that you were all in this together. You had been forgiven for so much and yet someone over here you would forgive for almost nothing. Now I want you to watch now as the scriptures unfold and we kind of go now into a little bit different dimension of what the Lord is really trying to drive home. In the 34th verse, the Bible says, and his Lord was wroth or mad and delivered him, the man who would not forgive, delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Verse 35, so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. Now there's, there's, there's a few points that are made here in this scripture or in these scriptures and those few points are my concluding, uh, is gonna be the conclusion of this lesson today. The Bible says, if you'll go back, if, if you will go back with me to verse 34, the Bible says that the unforgiving servant was delivered unto the tormentors delivered unto the tormentor should he, until he should pay all that was due unto him. And so I believe that the instigators of the tormenting that the, that the Lord is speaking about here are demon spirits. Yes. Amen. Stay with me now. God gives them permission to inflict pain, whether that would be to our body or mind, at will even if we are believers. I wonder, just let me throw something at you to take home to think about. If there are not times that we cannot receive something from the Lord because of things we have brought on ourselves, If we can't receive, you know, I'm kind of reticent to name things because I don't want us to just stop at these categories, but I wonder if sometimes healing or deliverance and things of that nature are things that won't come our way because we have stopped the process with an unforgiving spirit. He said, I'm gonna take you because you won't forgive and I'm gonna turn you over to the tormentors until this debt be paid. And I think this is something that is 
very serious, and I know this is a bold statement, but I think it's something that we need to give consideration. And because forgiveness is such a serious thing, we can't possibly think that we can crowd up our spirit with all sorts of tainted material and somehow think that on the other end of that, something pure is gonna come out. If you've ever looked at a filter of any sorts, whether it's an air filter or a water filter of anything, we wanna make sure that the filter is clean. If, if the filter's got all kind of junk in it, no matter that you've got a filter in the system, if the filter has all kind of foreign objects in it, you may not be getting the best quality product on the other side of that. And so how can we think that our mind, and we're gonna have such uh, ill will and such ill feelings toward one another or toward other people and think that, that somehow we're gonna come into the church and when we walk through the door, it's kind of like going through a, some kind of invisible, mystical, spiritual radar that's just gonna cleanse us for a moment. And then we're gonna walk in here and lift up our hands and they're gonna be holy. And we're gonna lift up our praise and it's actually gonna be a praise worthy to be offered unto the Lord. Amen. How are we gonna gossip all the way to church and run everything and everybody down and talk about this one and talk about that one? How are we gonna, this all right now? How are we gonna do all that and then just somehow we're gonna pass through some kind of radar that cleans all that up and then we're gonna come in here and just because our hand clapping is on time with the drums and the bass and blah, 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 we think everything is all right. You know, the great tragedy among holiness people is because we get hung up on outside things. And we give free passes carte blanche to people that have horrendous, hideous spirits. If we can get everybody just right out here, they can be malicious as a viper. And everything is okay. I'm not throwing away holiness and separation. That's a valuable part of who we are. But I'm telling you, we can have all this just right and our heart be so rotten and vile and evil and the Lord looks on the heart. That's what the scripture says. You know, people are quick to quote that because they're trying to flush holiness down the drain. But the Lord does look on the heart and we should never forget that. And so I may look holy, I may look righteous, but the Lord knows what I just got through saying, what I just got through thinking. Amen. And so we've gotta be very careful that when we come in, that's why the scripture says that when you come to the altar and pray and realize that there is an ought, whether it's on your side or the other side, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right and then come back and pray. I wonder how much praying would get done if we really got to the altar and realized, wait a minute, there's something I've got to fix here. So I'm gonna to have to leave this gift at the altar and just keep going. I'm gonna to have to keep, leave this gift at the altar and make sure that I make some amends, that I try 
to make sure whether it is an ought that I have in my heart or I know someone has an ought against me. I wanna work this out. Now, I didn't intend to say this, but I'm here mentally, and so I will say it because it has nothing to do with this church. But this week, uh, no, uh, yes, this week, um, I had two or three instances where um, people were crossed up with one another. And it became my opportunity, no one here in the church. (laughs) That's not to say no one here in the church is not crossed up with one another. (laughs) So don't get all pious on me. But there was, there was some things got cross-threaded. So I, I received a phone call to help each party work this out. I said, I, I, I would like your advice. I said, well, my advice is gonna be let's go to the book. And the book says this is how we ought to handle it. So I'm not boasting of me. I just directed somebody to the directions. And do you know what? The next day, the very next day, I got phone calls from both individuals who not only worked out their, I'm, I'm not kidding, serious, the potential for some serious indifference. So the, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. It had the potential to live on for decades. It had the potential to ruin relationships among congregations for decades. Oh, yeah. They got their heads together, realized that at the root of it all, guess what? Miscommunication. A lot of assumptions. Some error on each side. But when they got to talking about it, not only was the problem fixed, but a friendship was forged. Amen. (laughs) And so we get to realize that, believe it or not, this book really works. It really works. And so someone had to be tall enough to make a phone call, and on the other end, there needed to be someone tall enough to receive the phone call. And let's start talking about this and let's try to figure out where we ran off the road. Where did this situation run off track? And they found that location, got back on track, and now there will be wonderful things to happen in the, in the future. I'm talking about forgiving other people and that's one thing, but let me just be real candid before we move on past that. You know, many times there are people that will forgive others, but they just absolutely will not forgive themselves. They hold themselves to a standard that no living, breathing human being could possibly climb and attain. And so if if God has forgiven you, then who are you to not forgive you? How pompous could we be? How arrogant could we be to... If God could forgive me, if God, I know this is really hard for us to comprehend in our minds, but the scripture says that he would put our sins as far as the east is from the west and 
and they would be to never be remembered anymore and those kind of things and it's hard for us to comprehend that. I can appreciate that. But if when we ask God to forgive us of something and he forgives us, then why won't we forgive ourselves? You see, if the devil can keep you tethered to yesterday's mistake, if he can keep you tethered to the yesterday's wrong decision, he's got you for life until you forgive yourself. And so I'm asking you this morning not just to extend forgiveness to others who may have legitimately wronged you, but I'm also asking you to forgive yourself for bad decisions or bad, uh, poor judgments and, and, all, and the on and on that list could go because we've all been there. We've all made decisions that were poor. We've all made decisions in haste. I wanna, the, the second point that I wanna bring out in this final, this, these final scriptures is the fact that the unforgiving servant had to go back and repay all the debt that had been forgiven him. He was required now to do the impossible. It's like being required to pay the debt that Jesus paid on Calvary's cross. And so I think we must be very careful to understand that, that what we have today, no matter how strong it may appear, you can lose that. Now, I'm not trying to do anything here by the power of suggestion, but, but I have a responsibility to tell you this. I'm thankful for the unity that we have in our church, but just because we have unity today doesn't mean it's ours for keeps. You've got to maintain unity. You've got to cultivate that. You have to work at that. If you find someone that has a healthy marriage, they, they weren't just standing under a different spout when they got married. It had nothing to do with whoever performed their ceremony or what song was rendered during that. It has to do everything to do with people that just keep working at it. And when it gets fractured, you just keep pushing along and keep pressing along. And so, and so we've gotta be very careful to understand that we can lose things. We can even lose our salvation. Now, I'm not there suggesting that God is sitting on the throne with a bullwhip in his hand just waiting to crush us at the every turn or every mistake. I, I'm not suggesting that. I'm thankful that we serve a merciful God. But there is something very, very wrong in the minds of people that just feel like that I'm safe and sound. It doesn't matter what I do. I can just get on board and you can never get off board. And if that was the case, then please tell me why and, ex and, and explain to me what Simon Peter was trying to convey in 2 Peter 2 and 20 and 21 when he said, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better the Bible says, for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Let me be emphatically clear today. I do not wanna be misunderstood as to be preaching a message that we can be saved by works. Because there are a lot of people that embrace that idea and, and when they dismiss the idea that you cannot be saved by works, they throw every mandate then out of the church. 
I'm not suggesting that we can be saved by our works, but I will tell you that there is fruit in our lives. Whenever we plug into the system of the biblical system that God has set for the church. And I cannot do whatever I want to do and live however I want to live and just walk however how I want to walk and talk however I want to talk and everything be okay. Simon Peter said it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn from the holy commandment that had been delivered unto them. He said how after, how after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord, they are again entangled therein and overcome. And he said for them, the latter end would be worse than the beginning. He was talking about people that had escaped sin, the pollutions of the world, what he called it, through the salvation of the Lord. However, they were again entangled by sin, which could even be unforgiveness because unforgiveness is a sin and so some people that would be quick not to forgive wouldn't wouldn't touch a, a can of beer they wouldn't they wouldn't walk in a bar room if, if you if you held them at gunpoint you couldn't get them to say a curse word but they've got unforgiveness in their heart and it is a sin it is a sin it is a sin I know we have all of our sins we have them on one shelf We've got them in bottles and boxes and packets. and That's right. We call them Marlboro and Cool and Seagram 7 and Budweiser. And so when the preacher says, we shouldn't sin, we say, glory, hallelujah, that's right. Thank God we've got a preacher that'll preach against sin. And then the preacher says, you need to forgive. Now, wait a minute. Now you're starting to meddle. No, we're still preaching about sin. Amen, amen, we're still preaching about sin. To be overcome meant that they did not return to the Lord and repent of their willful sin. So Peter stated that turning from righteousness was worse than ever knowing it to begin with. In other words, God is saying it's better to have never gotten saved (laughs) than to receive the gift of eternal life and then just throw it down and cash it all in, trade it in. I'm gonna tell you that whatever wrong has been done to me, whatever wrong has been done to you is gonna pale by way of comparison to eternity. It's going to, we, we gotta keep this in perspective. That's why Paul, Paul wasn't a madman. Paul wasn't some lunatic, but Paul said, amen, the suffering of this, pre- I reckon, he said that the suffering of this present world or time is not even worthy to be compared compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Now, if you just think Paul was sitting on the throne being fed grapes and fanned while he read that, you need to study the I wrote that you need to study the life of Paul. He was a man that suffered and suffered greatly, but he said, "I reckon that this is nothing. This is nothing compared to that." And so it will all be worth it all. And listen, I want to reach out to some of our young young people and younger couples perhaps even in this statement. Life is moving faster than you can dare imagine, dare imagine, amen. There are some 50, 60, 70, and 80 year olds here today that would tell you that just yesterday they were a young man and a young woman, but life is just moving, 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 and what you think is so important today is not going to matter one ounce, not one ounce. 
in the end. It will not be worth holding on to it. It will not be worth holding on to it. When they lead you out of this church or another foot first, it will not matter what anyone has said, what anyone has done. It won't matter what you lived in. It won't matter what you drove. What you, none of that will matter. There's only one thing that will matter. And so we've got to make sure, we've got to make sure. Jude, Jude described people in the church who were, who were twice dead and plucked up by the roots. Jude 12, 13, to be twice dead, that means you were once dead without Christ and then you were made alive received by receiving him, then you died again by, by departing from him and his ways. We, we see that many will come to the Lord and they're gonna be justifying themselves. Watch this, Matthew 7, 22, 23. I know we've all read this, but do we really let it sink in? This is a reality in the last day. This is a reality of judgment. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Amen. Who is it that Jesus will know? The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 30, I don't have this scripture for the screen, but Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Amen. So who does the Lord know? The Lord knows those that love him. I want to love him more than I hate them. I want to love him more than I detest that. I want to love him because in the end, that's really all that's going to matter. The Lord knows those that love him. And so, uh, we use, well, I, I love the Lord, but I don't love that person over there. And, and I'm gonna tell you what, if you, if you are saying that seriously, I know a lot of people joke around about a lot of things, but if you're saying that seriously, hear me today. I know I'm being as strong as muriatic acid this morning, but hear me. If you're saying, I love the Lord, but I just don't like them, you might be deceived. I'm sounding a warning here today you may be toying with the spirit of deception and you had better hear, if you won't hear this preacher, you better find one you'll listen to and hear them. John, 1 John 4 and 20, this, this is what we find. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And so deception is a very terrible thing and I'm not trying to be funny at all. The spirit is too sober here this morning for that. But I'm telling you that the problem with deception is that you are deceived. And the Bible says, I'll allow them to believe a lie and be damned. That's what the scripture says. And, and when we find that writing in, 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 Thessal, in Thessalonians, what is, he, what is the scripture saying? What led to this? What was the root of all this? He said, because they had not a love for truth. And, the, and what does the Bible talk about this end time would be? It would be people coming together with itching ears. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me, what, tell me what is convenient. Tell me what is easy. Don't tell me what I don't want to hear. 
Amen. And so don't tell me the truth, in other words. Don't, don't say that. I don't want to have to deal with this. But I will tell you that, that many times physicians are called upon to be very direct because they, 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 they can only help us if we help ourselves. Have you ever noticed this? And I'm not trying to meddle. I'm not trying to be funny. But have you ever noticed this, that, that with, with whatever uh, nutritional thing is being offered, whether it's a, you know, a, 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 this kind of drink or whatever to help you lose weight, it always says this, if you take this with a proper diet and exercise. I'm not trying to take away from the value of supplements and things like that, so please don't get offended with me, but I'm gonna tell you, you could drink water with proper diet and exercise. The problem is not this. The problem is proper diet and exercise. (laughs) And so we must be very, very careful that we're not deceived in our hearts to thinking that we can just do whatever we want to do. It's going to matter how I respond. It matters how I feel. And so in all this dirt and this mire and this oh, hatred and, and ill will is in my heart and that rises up in me whenever I recall something or hear a name or whenever I recall some circumstance or situation, that might be rising up in you for a reason. It may be the Lord telling you it's not quite gone yet. It's not quite out of there yet. I don't want to be crass this morning, but many times if you've ever been, if you've ever gotten sick from something you ate, I don't know how to explain all this and just pardon my ignorance here for a moment while I just make a feeble stab at an illustration. But even though, you know, you you can't maybe define this, but how many have you ever been sick and you know what you you got sick on? Because you can just think about it and just get a full body shiver. (laughs) <laughs> and so you know it's not all out of your system yet but just because you got sick on this certain thing doesn't mean that you're never going to eat that again it just means until you get all of this out of your system things are never going to be the same and there's some things we got to work out of our spirit. And we can keep reaching for the day that that doesn't boil up in me again. We may never forget because we have scars. And scars are reminders. But we have to reach the point that it doesn't boil up in our throat every time. Amen. And so we can't, if we're going to refuse to obey the word of God, we deceive our own heart. It's interesting that the Bible says many, many in this scripture, many, but they're going to be refused. I never knew you. Jesus said many would be offended in the last days. (laughs) The writer says in 2410, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. One writer said, could these two groups include the same people? Many that are offended and many that are expecting to go to heaven. Many that are offended and many who are denied. And so we had better do something about the spirit of offense. Amen. We must deal with unforgiveness now or we're going to be called upon. In closing, my final point here today as our musicians come. The Lord will do this to any believer that refuses to forgive from the heart. Hear me. You are not exempt 
I am not exempt. You will not be so talented, so gifted, so whatever, so lovely, so wonderful, so blessed that you're exempt from what I'm talking about. Jesus was very, very specific, making sure we understood this parable. In many other instances, Jesus also made it clear that if we would not forgive, we will not be forgiven. Many times, excuses are given for harboring unforgiveness and and, and sometimes, many times, unforgiveness is, is seemingly that lesser sin. I, I know I don't have forgiveness for this, but you know, at least I'm not out doing that or not out doing the other. But to those who practice unforgiveness, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, just like those who practice other sins. And I realize this is a very direct message this morning, but we're trying to cut out the core of what's wrong in many of our lives. You, you can't sing your way over the top of this, ladies and gentlemen. You can't, you can't just close your eyes and, and think that somehow it's all gonna heal itself. It will not. You've got to deal with it. It's not going away. It's not going away. You might outlive a cold. You might outlive other, an itch. But there are some things that if they happen to you, you've got to deal with it right then and there. In some instances, you may only have a short period of time to deal with it. It's so critical. And so we cannot allow these things to just continue on and somewhere hopefully they pan out in the end. That's not how it works. Because you see, once the devil gets you offended about one thing, then you start getting offended about another thing and then another thing and another thing and another thing. I don't want to... use the wrong illustration here I suppose but you know it's not uncommon for just say if a, if a dog got ran over and, and its owner ran to them for that dog to bite whoever it is it doesn't matter if that was their best friend it doesn't matter because there's been an injury and they're just gnawing out at everybody I've met people that bit me and I wasn't even the one that ran over them. I've met people that were bitten decades before I ever met them. But when I come along beside, they were still biting. I can't trust I can't this, I can't that because somebody let me down. And then when you start talking about that, it was decades ago. You're never gonna erase that from your memory, but we gotta get that out of our heart and say, you know what? That really did happen to me. But I've gotta press through. I must be saved and I can't allow others around me because I mentioned this a moment ago as we stand, that when the one servant grabbed his servant by the throat, what we gotta be real careful to understand in this story is this didn't happen behind the barn. 
This didn't happen in the shadows, but other people saw it. Others were watching and they were going, wow, how is it that you were forgiven for so much and you've got a man who owes you almost nothing and you've got him by the throat and the Bible says that he bowed down and prayed essentially the same prayer. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me and I will repay this. No. Into the prison, into the dungeon you're gonna go. And I'm gonna tell you today that we control the flow of a lot of things in our life. We really do. We really do. The Bible says every how you give out, that's how I'll give back to you. We don't think about that when we're given. He said, every how you forgive, that's how I will forgive you. We don't think about that when we're forgiven. And so I must say, Lord, help me, help me, help me to open my mouth and my arms and my heart. It's not always easy. I've got enough sense to know that I'm not just trying to hand you something and say, take this three times a day and you'll be all right in seven days. There are some things that we really have to work through and work out of our spirit, but we got to go to work on it because we really need to be the church that God can use in this hour. And he can't use us if we're clogged up with all kinds of other nonsense. Amen, why don't we make an altar where we stand today? Amen, would you just lift your hands and your voices as they lead us in worship? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.